Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis. I am just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, and I mean, apparently now more than once a week friend, Cameron McCoy. How's yeah. it going, man? It's weird to be talking to you, yeah, in like a three-day three, t- three day window. Like, I'm just not used to this. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, it's okay if you're already sick of me uh, at this stage <laughs> of the conversation. I wear people out. I get it. I get it. Um, dude, Magic the Gathering is happening. Mm-hmm. We are playing... Um, I mean, look, this is going to be a lot about Explorer right now. Uh, it just kind of feels like, A, it's the new hotness Explorer Pioneer, but also we got some... I would say an infusion of much-needed cards. I have lots of thoughts on some of those cards. I played several decks, um, but I'm interested in your experience, Cameron, with the Explorer pack and kind of where you went with it. Yeah. So I mean, the obvious thing is just putting Supreme Verdicts in blue-white control, and um, the difference between a Supreme Verdict and just wiping the board with you know maybe just a slightly wonky color combination if that if that actually plays a factor which with blue white it doesn't if you're doing Jeskai or something i could see that being maybe slightly problematic mm-hmm. um but using the old wrath that i was which was um allowing like any you know creature power and toughness for or more to allow them to draw a card that right there is huge and just transformational to like what is making i think explore next level um is just that card and specifically has like really i think helped um i don't know kind of keep control at a really um good spot right now so that was was it shattered to the skies that one and then depopulate is like if you have a gold card right yeah yeah and i, I could never remember it. i was just always running because i was lazy and always just use shatter the sky and um you know it wasn't a huge issue but i mean like you know netting them an extra card is i mean it's not nothing yeah i always tended to like depopulate just um a hair better than shatter the sky but then i also liked i'm a weirdo and i really like doom scar um mm-hmm. i tend to find that especially against things like thalia decks like it's really convenient uh, to be able to <laughs> foretell it. Um, though not always. So maybe I'm just gambling a little bit. Uh, did you get a chance to play with any of the other cards, or was it just straight like you just hit the blue-white train? and? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I bought the whole pack, and um, th- there's nothing that I've actually put into a deck yet other than just, just uh, Supreme Verdict. However, I have played against a number of... Um, opponents who have been playing specifically to meet team or battle battle rage in like a mono red or red green sort of like aggro matchup and um with that and ember cleave um we're talking some serious damage it gets through very yeah, very bet. quickly so um i think that's just a good add to the mono red aggro decks maybe not specifically the red ones but more like the creature centric ones um, I've been seeing a lot more hazard, I think, because of that. Um, so anyway, I just, yeah, I think that was a, um, it's a solid ad, I think, to Explorer and um, definitely something to keep your eyes <laughs> open for uh, whenever you're playing against a red-green opponent. Yeah, so I'll kind of walk you through my experience playing with the Explorer pack. I do want to mention, I 
I think there's a lot that hasn't been fully, you know, cultivated both online and like in the experience I've had with um, playing. So what by online, I mean like the online coverage. And one of the weird things is since competitive magic has essentially been a shadow of its former self, it's really allowed things like this to be longer tail products. I really feel like, you know, if we were talking about this six, seven years ago, the Explorer pack would be out and literally every major writer across three or four websites would have deck lists for you to look at, right? Yeah. And that's just not the way magic works anymore. And so, yeah, yeah, you can go digging for them. You can see lists like Goldfish will be like, hey, you know, uh, Red Sox fan 72 posted this, you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> well, maybe he's good. Maybe he's not, you know, whatever. But especially since Explorer exists outside of Magic Online and you don't get those dailies, it's really bizarre to try and figure out what the metagame is. And something like mm -hmm. uh, Insult Artifact could, in fact, be, you know, a really powerful, useful card. Um, but I just haven't run into it and I don't see anyone mention it online. So it's kind of like, I guess that's what it is. Um, I will tell you. The one area where I feel like I was correct is I have not seen a Siege Rhino deck that has really knocked me out yet. It's been pretty, um, I, like I said, a standard-centric fair. Um, mm -hmm. But my first, I was like, okay, Kalidus and Tireless Tracker. I was like, okay, I'm going to put those two together. Let, let me play kind of the value game. I'll play Binding of the Old Gods in this deck. And I immediately went to Bug. Gross Spiral. Um, you know, maybe I play a Merging Ultimatum deck with these cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, just to give you the breakdown, three to four tireless trackers, two-ish Kalidus in these decks. And the bug variants that I was like trying to sort out were terrible. Um, it just was not kind of that same problem I, I talked about last week with some of the Enomatic Fires decks. It just felt like it was way too much in the middle. Um, for what these other, uh, you know, decks were were doing against me, right? Like either mm -hmm. they would kill me super quickly, or they just had everything so under control that the idea of me, you know, setting up an emergent ultimatum seemed kind of comical, you know. Um, but then I switched to Jund, okay, and that deck was a lot better. And I would love to tell you that I have pinpointed down, because a lot of, you know, it's Kalidus, it's Tireless Tracker, um, it's Binding of the Old Gods, and then I played Thoughtseize, uh, the, the Blood Chiefs one mana, you know, Fatal Push. Yeah. I played, the I, here's what I think is the difference man maker, is I played Force Strangle. And that provided enough low-level interaction that this Jun deck, against the other aggro decks, did pretty well. Kalidus, like, is a you know, stop everything whenever you're a mono red deck. It's a pretty tough card for mono white decks to beat as well. Yeah. Um, green can go over the top of him. But, you know, between that and then like four mana Chandra, I think is also kind of this, look, it's a it's a loose imitation of a Jace the Mind Sculptor, but it is still an imitation of Jace the Mind Sculptor in a format that doesn't have something like that. So it's kind of the best mid-range Planeswalker and I don't know if you remember when Chandra was in standard. It was kind of that way too, where, she, like, I th as a planeswalker, she seems like she's in play forever, and the game mm -hmm. is still in question. 
Whereas like, you know, Jason Mind Sculptor, you know, all these other ones, it's like, if they're in play for three turns, you are done. It's over. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Chandra, it kind of just hangs out for a long time. I guess it's just really well balanced uh, from a game design perspective, but kind of sealed the deal on a lot of these decks. And then I played like one of six mana Chandra, one of uh, Titan of Industry. And then anytime you're Titan of Industrying, I always like to play the Fable of the Mirror Breaker in that deck as well, because you get the combo of if you can start copying it, basically your opponent can't win. So it's kind of like a quasi, you know, make a bunch of dudes combo. And it can, mm-hmm. you know, because and Titan of Industry can also blow up artifacts and enchantments. So you can solve a lot of problem permanence that way. This deck was still god-awful against control, um, but against the other, like, aggro decks, I found it to be pretty good. Now, let's talk about Control Cameron, because this is one card, like you alluded to, and I told myself, I'm going to play these other cards, I'm going to mess around, figure some stuff out, before I really jump in. And I do want to say, I think Kalidus is a very, very capable control card. It's not going to be crazy to see a you know, Demir or Esper deck that plays him either in the side or main deck. Like, it's a perfectly main deckable card. There are a lot of graveyard decks. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to say, just like Tribal Vampires, like, there's something there where with this and Soren, like, this is just one additional thing that you can, you know, put into play. And um, it's not nothing to have a Kalidus in a Vampires deck. Yeah, it just busts the aggro matchups kind of like wide open. And yeah. it's kind of like it embarrasses Cat Oven. Like it is a real problem card for them that they have to deal with like now. So, uh, you know, there, there's some good things about that card that I think I very much underrated. But Blue White Control is in the top tier um, of this format to the point at which I actually just got done playing a match where somebody was splashing green purely to play Shifting Ceratops so they could break the mirror because that card is very hard to beat if you're just straight blue white. Yeah. Um, and the lists are kind of settled. I'm not playing the Yorian version. I'm playing the, you know, three Supreme Verdicts, one Farewell, three Teferi, three Wandering Emperor, on and on and on. And, like, this deck is just, it's one of the best. Like, I think this, the black-red mid-range deck, um, they're, two of the, they're two of the ones that you need to be, like, at least aware of if you're playing at a competitive level. Um, and if you're playing blue-white, you really need to have a plan for the mirror because you will play against the mirror that was like half the matches I played when I played it. Um, I don't know. Again, put on your tinfoil hat for the pairing algorithm. I don't know if yep. they just see, okay, this dude's got Teferis. Let's teach him a lesson. Let's pair him against other Teferis. I actually find the mirror to be, I'm not trying to sound arrogant or something, but I've had a really successful run with the mirror. And I think I don't find the mirror to be that terrible because I lean so hard on Shark Typhoon. Sure. Um, and. I think one of the keys with the mirror and any control mirror is knowing when to scoop and knowing, okay, he's resolved a Teferi and a Narset. I have no permanence in play in six lands. <laughs> Perhaps it's time to pack it in, you know? Um, but oftentimes people don't do that and then they get frustrated. I would also say that um, the mirror here doesn't have an auto win. And that's what I think I enjoy about it because um, the, the, Control mirrors where it's a race to get to one specific card, um, whether it's, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like Pearl Lake Ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Nephalia mm-hmm. Drowned Yard deck where it was just like, okay, this is the control mirror. We're both playing Esper 
and you're, we're just trying to mill each other. So if I mill you before you mill me and I hit my mill land, I don't really enjoy that kind of control mirror sure. because it takes a lot out of it. But this is, I mean, old school, you have to hit your land drops, draw, go stuff. And, you know, a lot of stuff happens at insteps. Like I've had, you know, insteps that go three, four or five cards on the stack <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I so far now look, I sh- feel like I should look over both shoulders when I say this. I do feel like it's time to get these mono red cards into Explore from Pioneer. Like, that's going to help rein in this control deck thing. Like, I'm a control deck guy. I want to be the guy playing it, but I also don't want to be playing against it every other time yeah. either. Yeah. And that seems to be like the best thing. And now that Supreme Verdict's in, things like Rogues are not nearly as good against the control deck. So we do need to kind of have some kind of balancing act there. And like collected company decks are definitely not the answer. So I don't know. Like I've just the bottom line is bring me more. Bring me more yeah. of these yeah. cards. I will buy a pack tomorrow if you want me to, Watsy. Like bring it on, <laughs> you know? Um, also, I'll just mention... The bug deck, I think the thing that it's missing and why you should probably stick with Jund if you're looking at playing some combination of these cards is there's like a Roseman band. Like I I was like looking at old because I was like, you know, there's got to be bug lists because I remember bug being a, a foursome pioneer. Sure enough, there's Uro and it's like, well, that would explain why this why this was so much better, you know, Um Anyway, what decks do you think you're going to try next in this format, Cam? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm still going to be playing the uh, um, Elemental Combo deck uh, till the cows yeah, you come are. home. Yeah, you um, are. But yeah, like specifically, I, I am really curious about a Jun-style deck. I, I love mid-range. It is like, I think, even more so than Control, like a Jun-style deck is like the thing that really kind of speaks to me. And there's just plenty of cards to check out with that. Um, and then, you know, I think I'm also going to just try some more ramp strategies. Now with Elvish Mystic, um, there's plenty of opportunity to do, I think, some busted things with, you know, two one-mana mana dorks. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so should be ex- interesting, I think. I have played against the um, the mono green deck, like, you know, Elvish Mystic's Lana War Elves, uh, get Karn the Great Creator, all that stuff. Yeah. And it was really good. Like, they produced a lot of mana very quickly. Um, so, yeah, very much a recommendation there. And I'll, I'll send you my Jund list. You take a yeah, look at I'd it. I'd love to but, check it out. Uh, um, anyway, uh, last thing I want to mention here, and we definitely don't have to go through all of them, but there's some Dominaria United spoilers. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to do two, Cameron. How's that? Love it. Let's just do Temporal Firestorm and Lana or Loam Speaker. Uh, why don't you start us off with uh, Lana or Loam Speaker? Yeah, so it costs one and a green for an Elf Druid that has a power and toughness of one three. Tap, add one mana of any color, and then tap target land you control becomes a three three elemental creature with haste until end of turn. It's still a land. Activate only as a sorcery. I love this card so much. Uh, like, kind of like Paradise Druid. I mean, like that two mana, any color of, you know, mana dork is huge. Uh, like, like I feel like this is a sort of card 
you want to put in that combo deck where it's like, what am I doing on my two spot? You know, that I, I could sub out um, with, with elementals. I feel like this is great in that. Um, any of the ramp strategies is going to be good. And then just having the ability to, you know, whatever land you had come into play, if you just needed to activate it with, you know, right before your Nissa or whatever, like that's huge as well. So like, this is a, like, I, I like everything on this card. It's super powerful. Yeah, for me, it's because I've heard some people say, oh, it's a beginning of the game, an end of the game card. I think it's more likely that it's a mid game card and a beginning mm -hmm. of the game card. Uh, a 3 3 elemental that you have to tap a creature to create. If that's what the wins you the end of the game, then fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Mm -hmm. But that seems really unlikely. Now, it, this guy doesn't have haste, so you do have to have it, you know, kind of go back and forth for a turn. But. This kind of utility is really valuable to your point, and we don't know what the standard is going to look like, but two mana create a mana of any color has almost always been good enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be probably like green has to be actively bad for this not to see play, basically, is what it boils down to. But you know, there's so many standards, like we were just talking about Siege Rhino. In the Siege Rhino standard, this is 100% would have been in that deck. Yeah. Right. So I I just think this is a if you look at the comps of uh carried uh was it Elysium Carrioted? Whatever it was, the one that had that was a uh a mana dork that was two mana, Paradise Druid's a two mana mana dork. Mm -hmm. These things just have a really like strong history, right? Yeah. Um Can I interest you in a Wrath Effect, Cameron? Let's hear it. And a Jeskai Wrath Effect, no less. So Three red red, temporal firestorm. It's a sorcery. Kicker is one in a white and or one in a blue. You may pay, in parentheses, by the way, you may pay an additional one in a white and or one in a blue as you cast a spell. Choose up to X creatures and or planeswalkers you control where X is the number of times the spell was kicked. Those permanents phase out. Temporal firestorm deals five damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Um... So if you haven't been around Wrath in a while, the big problem is they don't touch Planeswalkers. Like, whenever you sit down to play Explore, like, the blue-white deck notably has trouble with uh, an active Planeswalker. Like, you have to ha hope to have a Manland or a Fateful Absence or, you know, there's, there's all these kind of, like, corner case things that can pop up. Uh, but the ability to do this, um, just like Burn Down the House and Standard, has been super strong. The fact that you could pay seven mana into it, protect your Teferi, Wandering Emperor, whatever. My suspicion is this this is going to be paired with Wandering Empire Emperor a lot. Mm -hmm. Um is really good. And in the context of standard, can clean up some omnixilises because those things are just laying around all over the place, Cameron. You 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 <laughs> can't throw a brick without hitting an omnixilis. This takes care of that for you. What do you think of this card, man? Yeah, so my big question is, uh, Goldspan Dragon, that's still around this fall, right? No. No, okay, so it rotates out. I was thinking, like, this would be, like, a great card to have yeah. with a Goldspan Dragon, just, you know, extra mana. You could just phase up the Goldspan or whatever. Uh, regardless, yeah, five mana to hit Planeswalkers and Creatures is great, especially in a red color Jeskai sort of thing. Um 
I, I do worry that you could get against like maybe where I would want to use this maybe against maybe like the control matchups. If this is like one of the removal spells, um, you're sinking X number of mana into this to protect maybe two planeswalkers. They just counter it. And it's like, well, that's a blowout. You know I mean? Like that's like yeah, a risk yeah. that, that could happen. So uh, it's good. Uh, and I think with a Jeskai control deck, it might be okay. Um, but it is a heavy investment. Right. Um, yeah, because that's it's not a little bit of mana, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you use your Loam Speaker. So, just to get to your point, or get back to my point, so September 9th, which is at like a month and some change, Zendikar Rising, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, and Dungeons & Dragons all rotate out. All right. So, the problem I have is keeping all these sets straight. One thing I've learned is that whenever you're a digital player, remembering what is in what set is like... <laughs> really tough especially and maybe this is just me i have a lot of trouble whenever i'm at a glance telling the difference between the dang uh crimson vow and kaldheim logos here i'm gonna send you this like (laughs) look at these two and whenever you're just like looking at it in passing yeah yeah yeah, they're they're both well, like one's axes, clearly right? the bat wing, the other one is clearly an axe. I mean, get it straight, dude. Uh, it looks more like whatever the heck uh, Darkwing Duck flew. I don't remember <laughs> what that thing was called. Um, I like it. I would assume it was just the duck wing, but I don't know. Now I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> Some yeah. real trivia there. All right, Cameron. So hey, let's get out of this segment. Come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So, um, just now that we've got our trivia solved, what was the answer? The thunder quack. <laughs> oh man! Shout out to Darkwing Duck. You know. Oh yeah. Let's get it's dangerous. Classic. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I see here that you've got the new Ryan Gosling, uh, film here. Yeah. The Gray Man. And I don't know what this movie is. I know that they constantly serve it on ads to my children somehow. So <laughs> the algorithm's working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those those computer scientists, they've got it down. Um anyway, so what's this movie about, dude? So I, I watched this movie solely because um of my mad respect for Anthony and Joe Russo who directed the final um, duo of movies called The Avengers um, and Captain America Winter Soldier. So, like, you know, they have some cred, I would say, as far as being pretty solid directors, spinning a lot of plates and keeping all the stories kind of straight and whatnot. So uh, The Gray Man, it's a um, kind of a a spy thriller sort of movie, really kind of leans into... Um, the 80s, 90s kind of like action tropes in a lot of ways. Um, high budget action is all about it. Uh, it. It features Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans is the villain and Ryan Gosling is kind of like just the skilled operative um, to who just kind of fulfills contracts for a CIA. Um, and it started the movie... Um, 
he essentially is betrayed. And then it's just kind of like Chris Evans trying to take him out. And, you know, I was really excited to watch this just because it's like ah, high budget Chris Evans, you know, um, Ryan Gosling, Russo Brothers. I should really, really like this. Uh, but I felt like it kind of failed in some ways. It was a very quiet movie and very uneven as far as like pacing and story, I would say. Um, so like what I was expecting was like the next born identity sort of movie, um, really was kind of just a little bit of a slog to get through. Um, and maybe it's a bummer. Yeah. Because if I feel like if this had come out maybe in the theater, it would have held my attention more, but because it was on Netflix and this is the world we live in where constant distractions everywhere else. And Netflix is just kind of like a secondary entertainment to like whatever you're doing on your phone. Um, I don't know, like it, it just didn't hold me the way that I was expecting it to. So um, I would say mediocre review, uh, like there's some good action points and like actors I thought did good with what they were given, but um, this is not the follow-up to Captain America that I was wanting. Yeah, darn. And you know what? The Russo brothers like directed a lot of notable episodes of Community, okay. uh, which is one of my Have you ever watched Community? Yeah, we watched a couple uh, episodes here and there it's funny super funny yeah 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 it's a great show um so that's a bummer that's a real bummer yeah um i think they directed all the paintball episodes of community uh, that would but make sense yeah you'll have to double check me there um cameron you know how i like to show up with just the hottest games uh-huh. the newest the freshest games um i have really enjoyed hollow knight and I don't know if we've ever talked about this game. Have you ever played Hollow Knight? Yeah, I have. I've played it on, gosh, a couple of years ago now. Like, <laughs> it's been a while, but it's great. Did you finish it? No, no. It was, uh, I definitely should go back to it. Yeah, because it is, um, it is very clearly a Metroidvania that is informed by the Souls games, right? Mm. Like, it is certainly... And hey, I'm super early, but they want the tone of the Souls games. I would say it's a little bit more grokkable, a little bit more forgiving, at least at the early stages. But I really, I, I just like briefly touched it whenever it was on Game Pass, and then I never went back to it. Like I just, I messed around probably for a session kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And now I just made the big commitment to play it on my Switch. And it is a, you know, it's like a, it's got kind of this tonal scariness, but it's something I can have on in front of my kids, which it's really hard to put a price tag on that because my son is really into watching me play video games at this stage. So I just got to tell you, man, I've really enjoyed it. Like I'm only a couple, three hours in. Um, I have a couple other games that I'm in this like realm with too. Like I'm playing uh, near Replicant, which is the prequel re-release there's a big long number in it i picked that up as well as guardians of the galaxy so i'm just kind of juggling some titles here and there um but hollow knight has kind of stood out as the one that's the most enjoyable from that group so far um guardian's super underrated um but it is a very narrative driven thing and uh, i can only play it whenever my son feels like it kind of thing so uh anyway so that's where matt hollow knight worth the 15 bucks or downloading it on game pass um so, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and tell you to finish Hollow Knight, where could they find you? 
That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week.